Hello, everyone. Welcome to Editor Knows Best. I am Katyra Poland, the creator and the producer of Editor Knows Best, a podcast for authors, writers, literary professionals, and creatives. We do have a special guest today. She lives in New Orleans, Louisiana. She fights by justice by day as an attorney. And by night, she puts on her author or poetry hat, depending on her mood. When she's not writing, she enjoys going to Second Line event, attending a festival, or listening to a live local band. Her first book, Bitch Hunt, released on Juneteenth of this year, is an enthralling narrative non-fictional book about female attorneys, which will inspire and motivate readers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tatrice. Thank you, Sarah, for, um, for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And I did, you know, I see in your bio, you mentioned Second Line event. Can you tell the listeners a little more about that? So that's a New Orleans thing. That's where we have a, 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 a band that plays certain type of music and we dance um, second line music. So okay. second line, I'm sorry, second line music that we dance to a um, second line way. So it's a certain kind of dance. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. I've never been to New Orleans. I got to make it down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, COVID, but yeah. Right, yes. right. <laughs> and I'm really excited to learn more about your book, Bitch Hunt. Can you give us a little bit um, of a summary or more information and also what inspired you to write that book? Sure. The The book, the reason why I wrote the book is because it, it um, entailed my story about what happened with me. Um, I, even though I'm an attorney, I'm still, you know, viewed as a, as a Black woman. So I had an incident in the parking lot which basically um, led to me getting arrested. And so I basically take you through that process of me getting arrested, me being falsely arrested, I should say, and then take you through the process of what happens and then take you through the trial. So because of that situation and because of what happened to me, I wanted to find other stories that were similarly situated where you're dealing with racism, you're dealing with colorism, and you're dealing with being attacked just because of who you are or because of uh, because of who people perceive people uh, perceive these women to be, so I decided to write it from a narrative standpoint. So I wrote a narrative uh, story about uh, four other women that are also attorneys as well, and some of them happen to be um, judges. And so I tell you their story about basically what happened to them. So I give you a little insight into who they are, how they you know how they got to where they were, and then how um, you know this situation arises with them. And then basically take you through how they went, how they overcame it, or whatever the the final outcome is from their each person's situation. Okay. So did you intertwine some of your own personal experiences into the book, even though it's a narrative? Well, well, what I did was chapter one is my complete story. Oh, okay. And then chapter two is someone's story, and then chapter three. So overall, there's a total of five chapters. So including me, each one of us chapter, you you get to learn about that person in in its entirety. So it's true. All of the people in the book are true. Uh, Everyone's name is true. So everything in there is is factual information. And where can readers purchase the book? The book is on um, Amazon. So you could get the paperback and you can get the ebook. We're having a little bit of difficulty with the uh, hardcover. So you may or may not be able to get that, but you also can get it on Barnes and Nobles. Um, it should be available on Apple. Um, so it's available on a wide wide range of places. Okay. And did you self-publish or was it traditional? No, actually, I guess not traditional and not self-published. I actually have a publisher. She only publishes black female writers. 
um, the sovereign noir out of DC. So um, it's, it's not necessarily traditional because I did have to have some investment in it, but she also had investment in it as well. So it, it's like a, it's considered a hybrid yes. type publishing. Yes. Yes, I've done hybrid publishing. I also have a publisher as well. Um, so I know what you're talking about. Um, for our listeners who might not be familiar with what that is, um, can you just give them a little bit more detail about what a hybrid publisher is? So or a what hybrid, it, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So a hybrid is, is kind of like a combination of both. So it's a combination of the traditional publisher and a combination of self-publishing, whereas the, the, the hybrid publisher is going to invest in you, but you're also going to invest in you. So you put up money and the hybrid publisher is going to put up money and you're going to collectively work to, to publish this uh, publish this book. But in this case, she's going to be more of the one actually doing the formatting and making sure and uploading it to whatever uh, platform necessary in order to publish it. I'm the person that's responsible for writing it and doing other things, but she will be the one that kind of does all the other, the other, the other heavy lifting. That's not the author's, uh, you know, wheelhouse. Yes. And what was your experience like with the publishing process? What um, went well? What was a challenge for you? And what recommendations do you have for other authors? Well, I would say the number one challenge, and that it partly has been because of COVID, is that Ingram Spark, which is the the main distributor of books. They get your book distributed to all the other areas that that um, Amazon does not. So the hardcovers, um, even though Amazon sells hardcovers, they're not actually a distributor of, of, of hardcovers. So they work through a third party company and usually that's Ingram. But one of the problems that's been going on with Ingram because of COVID, they're having a lot of uh, shipping problems, a lot of delays um, with that. Um, I would say as far as the publishing and getting the book out, I believe that part was pretty, pretty smooth. And that was also due to the fact that I did a lot of research. And so by the time I got to the publisher, things went really smoothly. But I would say that um, I probably would rethink probably doing a hardcover again, unless I um, had like an op another option besides the Ingram Spark option as far as doing the hardcover, because the printing, the shipping problems have, have been very difficult. Okay. Okay. And did you work with an author, or excuse me, an editor during the process? And if so, what was that like? And would you recommend that other authors and writers have, have an editor? Oh, definitely. That's a good question. So um, I think I was talking to another, another group of people and I was telling them about the developmental editor because there's different types of editing process. Well, because I am an attorney, I kind of write more in a factual type way and not in a reader. I want to read this kind of way. So I had to get a developmental editor to help me to kind of develop the stories to make sure it was more readable than someone reading a brief like you're going in the court. So working with that developmental editor um, and based off the feedback that I'm getting about people saying once they started reading my book, they couldn't put it down and the stories were so compelling, that just confirms the fact that me getting that developmental editor was, was, was key in making sure that the stories came out the way they needed to. And so, yes, I had a developmental editor who, who brought me through the process. And then he also edited the work. But then I had another caveat. I have a cousin who teaches, create, uh, pre teaches writing. So I had her go back and then do the, the, a second set of editing just for, for the mere fact that because he edited it and because he looked at it from a developmental sense, 
he may have missed some things. Right. So this was a fresh set of eyes that looked at it, that wasn't married to the stories that could look at it and that could look at it from a more objective way. And she caught a few things as well. And what do you recommend to authors or writers who are either afraid to work with an editor or um, aren't able or willing to pay for an editor? What other options would you recommend? Um, I, I don't really know what other options I could tell you because realistically, if you just want to write a book and you're really not looking to go anywhere or you're, you're just like, I want to say I wrote a book, then don't use an editor, use your cousin or, you know, whoever. But if you're really serious about this and really want to, to, to have a brand and want to build your, your brand and have other books written and you want people to take you seriously, then I would suggest you get a developmental editor if it's your first time writing a book so that person can help you to develop and understand the flow of your work, the flow of your stories and get you to get into that flow of what works for readers, because they'll be able to tell you whether that's going to be the right flow. Um, so I would say you need a developmental editor if you're a first-time writer, and then you know you may or may not need that developmental editor if you're writing a second book, and then you need someone to edit your book. You can't edit your work; you really can't, because you're you're going to miss it in your mind. You're going to see those words, but those words may, are not going to be on the paper. So you need another set of eyes, two if possible set of eyes that can go through and edit your work. I definitely recommend that. I am an editor um, and I you know, work with all different types of authors. And for those of you who either can't or maybe don't want to hire an editor, at the very least, um, like Tatree said, have someone who has a strong grasp of the language that you're writing in, look over your book. So if you have a relative or friend who was a professor, um, if you have someone who is an attorney, they have a really strong handle on, again, whatever language you're writing in. It's important to have someone esteemed, um, someone you trust, and someone also impartial to look over your work, even if you don't hire an editor. So that's what I would recommend. Um, and just to continue um, on the impartiality piece, um, when you have someone close to you reading it, they may be less likely to tell you the truth if they think it's going to hurt your feelings. So you may have to, you know, maybe find a, a colleague or coworker, or someone uh, once or twice removed from you outside of your family, not a close friend who can give you that honest feedback. So, um, and then one other option I always like to promote is bartering. So if you're an attorney and you're looking to write a book, um, and for some reason you you know you would prefer to you know um, provide legal services in exchange for them editing your book or whatever service you offer if you're a hairdresser and you need an editor you can you know do their hair and they'll edit for you so i always recommend that especially for new business owners and authors or people who may be strapped for cash you can also use your talents as well that's a, that's a good idea. And I, and I agree with 100% of what you said. Yes. And have you been writing for a long time or is that something that is a new, um, is something that you recently started doing? Have you always had a love for writing? So the crazy thing is I always had a love for, of reading, not so much a love of writing. I always felt like my writing, I always had this thing about feeling like my writing was not up to par. I always felt like I struggled to write, um, although I was an avid reader. So this book took me two years to, to, to actually get it out. 
Um, but the interesting thing is through this process, I've actually have ideas and have already started the process of writing at least two more books, but more than likely I'll probably total wind up rewriting probably five books. So um, it, it's, it's opened up the door to my writing, which is, which is interesting because now after getting that, that feedback from people and knowing that I, you know, I, I was able to do it, I now know that I can do it and I know I can write another book because I've, I've written a book. So now my writing, I feel, you know, much better about my writing than I did when I first started writing. Okay. And what would you recommend to those who um, are struggling with that, maybe not feeling good about their writing? What types of activities or things did you do to uh, build your writing, your writing muscle? That's another good question. Mm -hmm. um, what I did, because I, because, because I did struggle, I basically, um, had that ego chit chatter, that little voice in my head telling me that I shouldn't be doing this, that this this is, does not make any sense. No one's going to want to read this. And so what I had to do is I had to learn how to quiet that, that little voice and tell that voice to be quiet and basically listen and, and know that I could do it. And so what I did is I meditated or sometimes I would take a break and take that step back or I had people that I would talk to and you know, to invent about the fact that I was I was struggling, or um, you know, and they would be like, "Look, I know you can do it. You know, you could do this," or just having that talk with yourself, saying it's okay to be frustrated, but knowing that you're still going to get through it. So that was some of the things that I did, and that's that was part of the reason why it took me so long. Um, different reasons, but some of it was me not feeling like I can actually do it. Yes. So what do you consider your writing kryptonite? Um, hand, um, handwriting. Okay. So for me, the typing does not work for me. Okay. It's, it's for me, I'm all about energy and about the feeling of things. And so for me, when I'm writing with hand and pen, I can feel the story and I'm a visual person. So as I'm writing it, I can see it. And as I'm seeing it, I know that it works because that's why when people, um, the people that read my book was like, oh, I, you know, I felt this or I felt that or, you know, I, and I said exactly because when I was writing it, I knew how the person was going to be, going to be feeling as they were reading that story. So I wrote it intentionally with the, with the understanding that people, I could put them, place that person right there and they could feel those, that, that same situation that whoever the story was about, whatever they was going to. So I would say me with paper and pen is probably my uh, my kryptonite. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sure our listeners appreciate that. So when you are writing, does it usually energize you or does it exhaust you? It could be a little bit of both. Um, if I've struggled a little bit to kind of get it out, I kind of feel like I might need to quiet my mind for a minute, meaning like no TV, not that I watch a lot of TV, but just no talk and no music or whatever. Like I need my mind to be quiet because I feel like I've gotten so much out. But if I like feel like I nailed it or like I really was able to flow through it, then I feel like, yeah, I want some music or I want this or I want that. So it, it just depends on what the process was or how, how it went that day when I wrote whatever um, I was writing. Okay. Okay. Um, do you believe in writer's block? I hate to call it writer's block. Would, would I? Because if that's the case, everybody have writer's block. <laughs> but I think, I don't necessarily think it's writer's block. For me, I feel like it's a processing part where 
you're you're kind of maybe at this point where you're trying to either pivot left or you're trying to pivot right. So to me, I think it's not necessarily a block. I think it's just a, a pause. And you're just trying to figure out what the next step is. Because I had a lot of pauses where I had to tell myself, okay, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What does that look like? And then trying to figure out how to get that out. So I wouldn't say I necessarily, I don't know if I would say I had writer's block. I would say I had writer's pause. Okay, writer's pause. Okay, so for all of our listeners, don't call it writer's block anymore. Call it writer's pause. <laughs> I think that has a more positive spin on it. And who are some of the authors and writers that inspire you? Um, I would definitely say uh, Maya Angelou. Um, you know, why the, uh, it why the cage bird sing, um, sing? That book, when I was a kid, was just like so, so phenomenal. Also, of course, Toni Morrison, I've you know, read all of her books. I feel she's very pr profound. Uh, Nikki uh, uh, Giovanni, also um, someone that's very profound. So you just have some, one thing, and that's one of the reasons why my publisher does what she, um, why she created her company. She said, black women have always been storytellers. We have always been the ones to, to tell those stories. And now she wants to give them that platform mm -hmm. to be able to tell them their stories. Because although we are the, the storytellers, when you look at the overall publication, we're not out there. We don't get that representation. And so giving us that platform to continue to be able to open up our voice and to be able to tell those stories. Awesome. Those are definitely uh, heavy hitters and profound authors. Um, and I also respect and appreciate those writers as well. So I know you mentioned that you have started writing other books. Um, what genre are those books? Are they also nonfiction? Yeah, I'm going to say in the nonfiction. I don't know. I think for me, it's hard for me to kind of get into a fiction as far as writing, I mean, I can write, I can read it, but as far as me writing it, um, I don't know, I, it's almost like I'm, I'm a person that stands in truth. So mm -hmm. for me, the truth means being able to tell the truth of whatever that story is and not um, necessarily going into that fiction world. I mean, and I actually applaud those fiction writers that mm -hmm. can actually do that. I just don't think that that's my, that's my area. So I'm sticking to nonfiction and my second book is actually going to be on corrupt judges. So, uh, so stay uh, tuned for, for that. Are you changing names? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. All of, my books, all of my books will have people, actual um, okay. names and actual events and okay. all of that. I'm not changing anything. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Um, did you have any apprehension about doing that before you published, like how people might react or um, if people would, you know, seek you out and have some some words to share with you <laughs> so the, the book this book that i wrote was actually from a very very uh, excuse me very um positive standpoint okay um but although i did write it from that standpoint i did have some concerns because of the fact that i did not reach out to the other four ladies um in regards to telling their story mm. i knew because i was writing it from such a positive standpoint i i couldn't see how there would be any pushback but just in case there would have been, I, I wanted to write it in secret. And then once it came out closer to that time was when I decided to reveal that information. The second book is going to be a little bit different because I am going to be talking about corruption. Right. So with that, I do anticipate that I'm probably going to get a little, uh, a little pushback on that. But I'm, as long as I'm telling the truth, which I would, um, there's, you know, I don't anticipate any 
legal action, but I, I anticipate a little up, you know, a little people being a little upset. So what would you recommend to listeners who maybe are are going down the same path, writing a um, book that maybe has challenging topics or um, negativity or um, corruption? What would you recommend to them? Or even writing autobiographies where they're including their loved ones and family members. And obviously that might, um, that might produce some um, resentment or some words that are not so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, of course, as an attorney, I would tell people to make sure that they're not defaming anyone. Make sure that if that information that you're revealing is true, you know, you are, you're able to present the fact that that's true. So, you know, the, the stories that I'm telling are true. So that's why I'm okay with it. Um, you know, if you, you got to be ready to take on whatever that's going to be, whatever that's going to look like, whether that's going to be people calling you and calling you out your name or whether that's going to be someone challenging possibly maybe in court, um, just be prepared for that. Just make sure that you have every, all of your research and all of your information documented because what defeats defamation is the truth. Um, so, I mean, be, be ready to take that on. If you're not somebody that's going to be ready to take that on, then you probably maybe want to look at doing something else. I'm a person that never backs down for anything. So I'm, I'm very secure in being able to write you know, these stories, because I'm, I'm okay with writing these stories. But if you're a person that's not, I probably would tell you, you might want to maybe go in a different direction. Okay. Thank you so much for that um, advice and um, words of encouragement. I'm, I'm sure our listeners definitely appreciate that. So I know you've talked a little bit about being an attorney. So have you worked for other firms or do you have your own firm as an entrepreneur? I've actually never worked for anyone. Well, that's not true. I worked, so after Katrina, I worked for the SBA, Small Business Administration. And then I did um, some discovery work for a firm. But the majority of my, my law practice has been me working for myself. Okay. And can you tell us more about that journey and why you decided, decided to start your own law firm? Well, when I worked for SBA, I had just gotten licensed. So that was when we were handling a lot of the, the Hurricane Katrina loans. So people were applying for loans for uh, losses for personal property and also for business, for their business property. So that's what I was doing with them. The, the um, discovery stuff I was doing, that's if somebody files a lawsuit, a lawsuit and you're going through and you're trying to get evidence that may be necessary for the lawsuit. So that was kind of, that was a little boring. A little bit because all you did was that you didn't inter interact really with any mm. like uh, judges or anything like that or clients um the current job or the current thing that i'm doing working for myself i find it i find it much better because i'm a person that's more um take charge so it's kind of hard for me to kind of do the listen to you know you got to be here at this time and you got to leave at this time you got to go to lunch at this time that's kind of I'm not inflexible, but I'd rather be a little bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. And so working for, for myself allows me to be in a position where I'm a little bit more flexible with my time and the things that I can do, like writing a book. Okay, awesome. And what would you, or yeah, what would you recommend to other business owners um, to, to stay encouraged, especially during the times that we're in, or other authors to stay encouraged? Um, I know I see in a lot of groups that authors are struggling to sell books or their books are back ordered. So do you have any, anything you would recommend to, you know, our authors and entrepreneurs who might be facing a tough time now? I mean, I, I know right now COVID is kind of causing a lot of issues for a lot of different people, but 
you know, to, to quote uh, E. Lynn Harris, one of his books, this too shall pass. So, you know, this will pass, this, will, this won't last forever. What I would tell you to do is focus as whatever you can on the, on your, the book you currently um, have written, but maybe start that process for the second book. You know, uh, sometimes having more than one book also helps to be, uh, you know, to induce sales because if the person knows that you're capable of writing more than one book, they may be more interested in and be paying attention to you as opposed to you being that one hit wonder, you know, like the one hit wonder for a song or the one hit wonder for a book. So I would say um, don't get too boggled down with what you're seeing online or what you're seeing on the news and just stay, stay positive. Take that pause if you have to take that pause. Meditate, go listen to something, you know, um, listen to something that's more positive, but don't you know, get yourself into that situation where you believe in every little negative thing that's going on out there because there's positive things that's happening every day. For sure. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement. And, and another thing I would recommend as well is being well-rounded, um, using your time to learn, um, making sure that you are also reading, even though you're an author. Reading is important. Um, I know a lot of people use YouTube videos, and there are a lot of webinars and online seminars and conferences that are available. So for those of you who um, may have more downtime than, than before, just make sure that you're keeping yourself um, engaged in positive material and also just increasing your knowledge to be a better writer, better author, also better entrepreneur. So that's one thing that I would recommend. And I'm just curious to know, Tatrice, would you ever consider writing an autobiography? Um, well, I mean, this is sort of like an autobiography, okay. but not 100 because of the fact that I don't focus on my entire story. I kind of bring you into a little bit about myself and then I bring you into that incident. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, I've, I've thought about it because there are other incidents that I could probably talk about. Um, I was married before, so we lived in Germany. Um, so I lived in Germany for 18 months. Mm -hmm. That would be probably a compelling story to probably talk about that. I also mm -hmm. lived in Colorado, Colorado okay. uh, for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be something also interesting to talk about. And I actually was out there when uh, Columbine happened, actually. So when that the shooting happened at the school, mm. I was actually out in Colorado for a couple of things. When um, Janae, uh, John Bonet, the little girl, got killed for for uh, around Christmas time, mm. also was living out there um, at that time. So I was actually in Colorado when a lot of things were um, historically happening. Mm -hmm. So I probably could speak along those things of like you know what I was dealing with at the time when those when those things were happening, because there was a lot of um, it was a lot it was kind of crazy about what, you know, what we were, we were facing mm -hmm. as far as being out there and some of these things were going on and, mm -hmm. you know, how it kind of affected, uh, you know, affected us overall for those people that were living out there when some of these, um, you know, historical things were going on. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that you were able to live in a, uh, different places. I used to live in Savannah, Georgia, so um, I've always oh. loved traveling. I'm excited to get back into that once, um, you know, things are better with COVID, but um, I definitely miss traveling. <laughs> right. um, yeah, that's one of the things that I miss the most. Um, I know that you said uh, earlier that you are in the nonfiction zone, and I can relate to that as well. Um, my first book is Professionalism, What's That? And it covers code switching and how to dress for success, interviewing, resume, skills, 
all the things we need to know, but they don't teach us in school. Um, and mm -hmm. then I actually published my first book of poetry March of this year. So oh. I could definitely oh. relate to that. I have tried my hand at fiction, but I struggle with it. So I tend not to, you know, go that route either. So I can relate to you um, in that way. Um, and one of the other things that I'm curious to know for our listeners who are aspiring authors, what would you recommend um, for them to find their, you know, a, someone to design their book covers? Um, how did you find your editor? Um, how did you find, um, I think I said the graphic designer already, but how did you find mm -hmm. the, the team to help you create your book? Because I know you said you did hybrid publishing, so some of that would fall on you. So what would you recommend for, for authors and writers who are looking for those professionals? Okay, another great question. With, um, because I'm in New Orleans, we have a lot of creativity here. So there's a lot of artists here. So um, I, I'm very I'm kind of popular in New Orleans um, because of the fact that I ran for judge a couple of times. And so uh, New Orleans is like a big little city. So I had access to different people that were artists. So I was able to, to tap an artist that I, that I felt like would be able to capture what I wanted for my book cover. And so what I did was he and I sat down, I kind of said, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And so for me, again, it's all about that energy and about connecting with that person. If I feel that that person and I connect, then I know we can work together. If I feel that there's nothing there and I can't connect, then I'm not going to be able to work with you because it's not going to work. So when I sat down with him, he immediately picked up on exactly what I was looking for. And so he was able to do it, which is why my, my cover is so um, compelling. So what I would, I would tell people to do, if you, if you don't have that kind of relationship or you're not like me, a person that can, you know, with the energy and whatnot, or you don't believe in that or whatever, I would tell you to look at references. Don't just go with what somebody told you. Look for references. And I would call those references um, as well, or at least maybe go get the information and go on the person's page or, or Instagram or whatever and look at those covers. As far as like editor, it was the same thing. Um, I had to go through a lot of different people. Now, the first time I got directed to someone who really did not do a good job. Um, she and I were not on the same page. She was totally off. She tried to get me to write my story as a fiction story mm -hmm. and it wasn't a fiction story. So she and I did not mesh. So I had to take a step back and I had to figure out, okay, what am I looking for? And that's how I got to the developmental editor. And again, he and I had a, had a conversation. Once I had that conversation, we clicked, he knew what I wanted. So that's how I got to that person. And then, um, you know, the next step was, I actually was gonna self-publish my book. And that's how I got to the publisher. So really when I got to my publisher, I had already done a lot of the major work. She just basically came and did all the the last part of it that I needed done because I had already had the editing, already had the, the artwork done. Otherwise, she and I would have actually been working together to do that. So I would tell people to research, ask for, ask for um, uh, references, you know, ask for a referral, um, you know, connect with that person and don't do like my friend did. She wrote a book and the company did the, um, did the book cover. She hated the book cover, but she went on and she agreed with it and she put it out don't do that. This is your work and you want your work to represent what you, what you want to represent. So don't let somebody else talk you into something else and make sure that you, you know, that you're uh, getting that feedback that you want and, and make sure you have an out, make sure you have a, well, if this doesn't work. Am I able to get out of this? Don't sign something unless you read it. Please do not sign anything unless you read it. 
Yes, thank you so much for Yes, that's all great advice. Um, and I, I definitely agree with that. Just wanted to piggyback and make sure our listeners understand the importance of making sure um, you're a good match for whatever professional you hire. As an editor, I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, so one of the things that I do is we, um, I do have a consultation form so that I learn more about your project. And then there's a phone call. Um, and I offer a sample edit as well, one to three pages. But that's the opportunity for us to make sure that we're on the same page and that we um, understand each other. I understand what you want, you understand um, the services that I provide and that that actually meshes. Um, you tend to run into issues when, um, I know previously before I implemented the consultation form, I you know kept running into issues of clients. Um, after I did the edits, they it didn't meet their expectations because we had never talked about what they were looking for. So I did implement that. And since I've been using the consultation form, that's been very helpful. So for our authors and listen, uh, authors and writers who are listening, you know, ask for a sample edit or at least ask to have a conversation before the work starts so that you are on the same page. So that's very important. And thank you for mentioning that, Tatrice. So um, I want to thank you so much for um, joining us on, a, on this episode. And if people want to keep in touch with you or reach out to you, how can they do that? So I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't, I don't use Twitter that much. So it's Tatrice, T-A-E-T-R-E-C-E -E -E, Harrison. If you put that in, you can find me on any of those platforms. And then my website is the same thing, tatriceharrison.com um, for the book. So you can find me on any of those platforms. Okay. And what parting words do you have for our listeners, either, you know, inspirational, um, just, you know, something to, to help them along their journey? One of the things I always say is stand in your truth. Okay. Yes, listeners. So again, thank you so much, Tatrice. Um, it has been a pleasure uh, learning more about your book and also about yourself. Um, listeners, thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. It airs every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, anchor.fm slash Editor Knows Best. Thanks again, Tatrice. And thank be you. safe and be well, everyone.